Hello, this is Pastor Mo, Senior Pastor at First Baptist Church of Broussard. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to these messages. My hope is that this sermon will be a benefit to your spiritual growth and that you will prayerfully take to heart the contents of this week's message. I also encourage you to pull up the accompanying sermon notes and follow along as you listen. If you have any questions or would like to follow up after the sermon, feel free to contact me or our staff here at First Baptist Broussard. May God bless you as we begin this week's sermon. Well, we continue today with our series, Walking with Jesus. If you're new here, if you haven't been here the last two weeks, uh, every year at the beginning of the year, we uh, come up with a new theme that we'll carry throughout the year. This year, it is Walking with Jesus. And what we're doing is we're going through the Gospel of John. Now, there's Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels. But the fourth Gospel is one that we will be really taking a a walk through, hopefully looking through the eyes of John, the, the author who is, we believe is John the Apostle, uh, the brother of James, the son of Zebedee, one of the youngest of the apostles, one that was really close, was one of the inner circle with, with Jesus. And he lived the longest, as far as we know, uh, historical records indicate that he was the last of the apostles to die. And also, according to most scholars, he wrote this book at the very end of his life, maybe even at the age of 90 years old. So he had over 60 years to reflect and mull over and think about all that Jesus did and said, and then to see it put into action. So by the time John wrote this down, you know, if, if, this, stuff, if this Christianity thing didn't work, he would know it by then. But he was convinced and he was sure and he wrote down this book which contains uh, stories and signs and teachings that give us indication what the early church and those early disciples truly believed. And that helps us to make sure that we can sort of line up our doctrines and our thinking according to what John and, and the apostle gives, not according to some tradition, whether that's Baptist tradition or Methodist or Catholic or what American Southern or whatever it may be. Tradition is fine, but that does not equate with the scriptural context. So that's why we're going to take a walk through the 21 chapters for the next 11 months uh, and, and polishing over this and looking over these things. Now, in this, uh, I mentioned this last week, but I see a few people who were not here the last couple weeks. The purpose of the Gospel of John, we found in chapter 20. So we had to go almost to the end. And at the end, right before the epilogue, he writes this sentence, which kind of clarifies, and it, it reminds us of what this book is about and what journey we're taking. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. So, believing and receiving life. Believe, that's what it is. God has said, the stories that I'm telling you, he, now he lists only seven signs and seven uh, teachings. He says, this is just a small portion of all that Jesus has done. But it's more than sufficient to prove to you that he is who he said he is, the Messiah, the Christ. Therefore, believe in him. You'll receive life and know that. And then, of course, the goal is to know truth, accept truth, and live the truth. And obviously, Jesus is that truth. Well, 
Throughout this year, we'll be watching clips of a movie. It's a Christian movie called The Gospel of John. And it's a three-hour movie. We won't be watching it all day. But a three-hour movie over the next 11 months. We'll watch clips. Not, not every Sunday, but it just kind of helps you to sort of put it in context. It's, you know, it's set in first century with Jesus the Apostles to kind of give you that idea. Because I want us to really feel like we're there. Because the intent of this series is not just to pack your head full of knowledge. No, knowledge is nice. Bible facts. That's good, but... What, you, what we need to know is to catch a good vision of just who Jesus is, why he came, and then how we should respond. And this will help us to catch that vision of who Jesus is and realize that he is with us. Through the Holy Spirit, you know, we, we have his constant companionship and guidance. And what the world needs to see is the accurate image of Jesus Christ. Not one that the pictures or the magazines or other religions have kind of come up with. Because we've added a lot to who Jesus is that's really not accurate. And we want to be accurate. So listen to this. Let's cut the lights and watch this little video clip and kind of put yourself into it. It's, it's last week's passage and today's passage in one. Of 
understanding I want you to really catch that vision of being there with Jesus and let's find out just who Jesus is and what he wants for us to do now last week remember we did this prologue and I want to read it again because it it, with with the next passage doesn't quite make as much sense if we don't have the package together so in the beginning was the word the word was with God the word was God he was with God in the beginning all things were created through him and apart from him not one thing was created that has been created Life was in him, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now, in this passage, which sets up today's passage, it just reminds us that this book and its purpose, and thus should be our purpose and desire, is to really find out, truly find out who is Jesus, why did he come, and what difference is that going to make in our lives. Now, this passage here is really is a, John is, is giving a very, what in the academic world they call a high Christology. It is a high view of who Christ is, you know, of, of his grandeur. And he's more than just a philosopher. He's more than just a prophet or a rabbi. But that he is the eternal one. The word itself, the very thought and mind and reason of God in action. He is the creator of all things. He is truly God. He is life, and he brings light. So as we think of that, it it lifts up Christ in a great great way. And I came across this quote, and see if you can guess who may have said it. It It's a famous military uh, general uh, and leader of the past. Uh, You'll be a little surprised maybe once you hear it. This is what he writes. I know men, and I tell you that Jesus Christ is not just a mere man. Everything in Christ astonishes me. His spirit overawes me, and his will confounds me. Between him and anyone else in the world, there is no possible term of comparison. He is truly a being by himself. I search in vain in history to find a parallel to Jesus Christ, or anything that can approach the gospel. Neither history, nor humanity, nor the ages, nor nature offer me anything which I'm able to compare it with or explain it. He is extraordinary. Well, Napoleon wrote that. You would be a little surprised to know that uh, Napoleon, but it's sort of like, uh, uh, this is at the end of his life, when he was on the St. Helena Island, Elba, and he was, you know, in exile. Well, it appears from this and other writings that this great military, powerful leader finally came to a knowledge of Jesus Christ at the end. And which I hope is the case. But he definitely wrote a very powerful thing. And I think that gives a good illustration because Napoleon had thought he could rule the world. You know, he thought he had all kind of power and all, you know, the, the, the thrust of everything. But then at the end, he came to realize that all the military might, all the monetary might, and the mental acuity that you may have as a people or a nation is not enough. You need more. And it's Jesus Christ. And so I hope that that you can catch that vision 
all that. Well, let's just kind of walk through this passage today. I'm going to pick up with verse 5 because I ended with that one last week, but it's the bridge, the segue over to this week. He says, that light, and of course we're talking about Jesus, the metaphor of Jesus, shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. Now this word darkness here, uh, skotos in Greek, has the idea of anything that is evil, anything that is of sin, that's not good. Also, it kind of gives connotation of someone who is in willful ignorance. They just don't want to know. And you're in the dark. You know, so you, you get me in the dark. You just don't know. And then John uses this last phrase. This is how he really, I think it appears, how he uses this word. And he wants us to understand is that it's life without Christ. So life without Christ is darkness. So in this we see there is a definite opposition between light and dark, between good and evil, between Jesus and ultimately Satan. And this darkness is in conflict or else you wouldn't use the word overcome in the context. Of course that word, just in case you have a trivia question one day, is katalambanai, but it has the idea of the darkness cannot understand or comprehend it. It's as if someone who's just ignorant of it says, man, I just don't understand why you'd be so interested in this or why you're interested in Jesus or, or whatever subject it is that, you, that you're excited about, but they're in the dark about. So I don't know what you're talking about. Why would you be interested? Well, a lot of people are like that. But then the next stage is, is that they try to overcome or overtake it, which means they try to take hold of that which is good and light and pull it into the dark. The evil is always wanting to take what is good and right and pull it in the darkness. Of course, the, the, the final, the best understanding of this one is, is that darkness cannot extinguish, can't put it out. I mentioned this last week. If we were in total, complete darkness, everything was blacked out here, you couldn't see anything. And John Fernandez right there, lit a candle and lit it up bright. There he is. John, hold the candle up high. Okay. There's going to be light right there. And no amount of darkness from all over is going to extinguish that light. That's the light. That, that's the power. It's, it's a metaphor for saying that Jesus' goodness is, will not be overcome by evil. And that Jesus is going to win. That we can have that confidence. So it gives us that confidence and that idea in that. Now, that's, this leads us into our new scripture for today. And it kind of changes the story, and we add a new, a new person in. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to testify about the light so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. Now, ignore the last line. Okay, just pretend you don't know it. Okay, you think it's John the apostle, the writer that he's talking about? It's not talking about himself. He's talking about John the Baptist. This is John, which we call John the Baptizer. Uh, I think we should call him John the Witness because this is just what it says. He was sent from God. He came as a what? To do what? But he came to what? Testify. So, but he only baptized, you know, the, the main em- emphasis, but... He came as a witness. His idea was not just to baptize people. He came to prepare the way, as the scripture says in Isaiah, prepare ye the way of the Lord. 
John the Baptist or John the Witness led the path to show the way to prepare people's hearts for the true light. He was not the light. And this sort of is uh, preeminent to what he says later on in there. You've heard this saying, I must decrease, he must increase. That's what John the Baptist said about Jesus. And it set the stage right here. He says, listen, all you guys are coming to me because John was the big man at the time. Everybody was coming to John. He was baptizing them. They loved to see this guy, you know, eating locusts and honey and looked like a wild man out there in the wilderness and saying all kinds of things. It was, it, was, uh, it was a good show for a lot of people. People were flocking to him. But you see, John was not the light. He wasn't the main important. He just pointed to that light. John is a good example for us. You're not the light that the world needs to see. Jesus is that light. It just happens to be that you may be the only light reflector that they'll have. So it's vitally important that every one of us learn like John the Baptist. We need to be a, a witness. We need to testify. It's sort of like if you were to stand up in court and to uh, try to prove the innocence or the guilt, whichever the case, and you give evidence. as a book by Josh McDowell called Evidence That Demands a Verdict. Well, John is laying out this evidence, saying, I'm putting the signs out here. I'm putting the information out here. You need to make a decision. And, he, and then, of course, he's saying, and the best decision is to believe and receive. So John the witness came to testify and to bring vision light. Now, John had a very simple and brief message, and it's sort of like the ABCs, and it's something that still uh, applies to us today. A, admit your need. One of the biggest problems why people don't come to know Christ is because they just can't come to grasp with the idea that they've got to say, I was wrong, that I, I'm, 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 that I did wrong, and I'm a sinner, and I'm lost. People don't want to admit that because it, when they admit it, then they feel like, well, I, you know, uh, that's what I am. But they try to rationalize but you see, until we come to the point that we realize that we're all are born into a dark world. We're in the darkness. That's the natural. Now, we're talking about metaphorically now. Not nice, bright sunshine out, but a dark spiritually world. And so we're born outside of the light. And that's why God has sent so many witnesses and why he calls us to come out of the darkness into the light. But you've got to admit you're in the darkness. You've got to admit that, well, that you're a sinner and that you need forgiveness. If you can't do that, then you really are going to have almost a near impossible time coming to Christ because you must admit your need. And then, obviously, the next step is to be believe. Believe in the one who is the true light. Now, if you remember from the last two Sundays, I kind of remind you that the word believe it's more than just an intellectual assent to a certain fact. You know, like E equals MC squared. Well, yeah, that's, that's, that's a fact. That's true. But it really doesn't affect my life that much. You know, I don't think about it. I don't process it. I, I don't worry about it. But in this case, the word believe means to trust, depend, have confidence, and to rely upon. As I mentioned, 
both last Sunday, I think before, the illustration of the guy who put the cable across Niagara Falls, and he was doing some evil and evil stunts, and he put, put a wheelbarrow across it. Ask him, you think I can go across to somebody? Oh, yes, we'll hop in. Nobody would hop in. They didn't believe. They just were, talked a big game. A lot of people in the world, and, and many Christians, and maybe some of you, are talking a big game. Oh, I know, I know about Christ. Yes, he's the son of God. I know about Easter and Christmas and, you know, and, and the, the three wise men. I know all that. But it's really just knowledge. And anybody can know those facts. It really comes down to the point. Each one of us needs to make sure that we're not fooling ourselves. That we're not just saying we're something when we really aren't. And that's the key aspect. And then the last one is C, correct your behavior. John talks about repent and, and return from your sins. Now, a lot of people have this idea, and maybe some of you have had that in the past, or maybe you have it now, but I'm sure you know somebody like that, that the person has made mistakes. And most of us, you know, at some point, once we realize we, you know, we've admitted we've sinned and we, we know there's a Savior, but... You say, well, before I come to Jesus, before I join church, before I make all the decisions, I've got to get my life right. You know, I've got to quit this. I've got to quit drinking. I've got to quit cussing. I've got to do this. I need to straighten up and this. Well, that's not the process. That's maybe the world's viewpoint. And that's what the devil wants you to believe. But you ever heard that old song? Just as I am. Just as I am. Come. God wants you to come. You don't have to get cleaned up. You don't have to get fixed up and prettied up and get your life straight to come to him. He wants you to come as you are. He already knows everything about you. So just come to him and, and lay it at his feet and say, I admit my need. I believe in you. Now help me. Because some of you have some behavior in your life, some attitudes, maybe some uh, sexual or immoral things. Maybe some financial uh, materialistic desires. Maybe there's some addictions or weaknesses or uh, lusts or things that are, are that in your life that you, you just don't know if you can change. Maybe it's some gender or sexual identity issues. God says, come. And then, as you come, believe, you are filled with the very life of Jesus. And his light begins to shine upon you. Because what's been happening is you or the people of the world are walking in darkness and so they don't know any better than to do what they're doing. It's natural for the darkness to do these things. But once the light is shown, shown upon it, it says, oh, well, no, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that because I see, the, I see in the light of day that that's not good. So whatever behavior, whatever attitude, whatever issue in your life, whether you're saved or unsaved, just come to Jesus and let him work with you. And as you walk in the light, you're going to find yourself avoiding the darkness and the things of the darkness. You can start giving up this or that or, or different things in your life. But don't get all afraid and worry. I've got to change everything right now. Just come to him. Let him begin a process. It's a journey. 
Now, it would be nice for you to get your life straight overnight, but it usually takes some time. But today, as I said so many times, the first day of the rest of your life, start this day walking in the light and making decisions to constantly walk in the light and not veer into the darkness. The darkness cannot come into the light, but we're right on the edge. And if you watch, walk too close to the edge, just like all of you are worried I'm going to fall off, I think there's a betting pool about when I'm going to fall. Whoops. Uh, but if I walk too close to the edge, some of you get a, a, a heart palpitation and think I'm going to fall. But it's, it, it's, it makes me more vulnerable to fall. And the darkness, remember, is trying to reach out. Now, it's not like y'all are trying to reach out here uh, to, to, to do, pull me down, but the darkness is there. So God wants to correct your behavior, but let him, in time, slowly work with you to shape and mold you to become a bright and clean light reflector. Okay, the next passage, <laughs> 9 through 11. The true light, which is Jesus, that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was created through him, and yet the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. So, John the witness, this is the baptized John the witness, is saying, listen, the true light is coming to the world. Jesus has come, and he's come now, but he also created the world. Remember, we talked about this last week. We, we, we came to the realization that Jesus is creator. Genesis 1.1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And then he said, let there be light. And then in John 1.1, it talks about he is that light who all things were created through him. God spoke and his word came forth and it was Jesus who brought all things to existence and holds all things together. Without Jesus holding things together, we would all fall apart. But unfortunately, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, his people did not receive him. Isn't it kind of unusual that he who created the eyes were refused by people to see him as the light? He came into the world, but they refused to see him. He gave them ears, but they refused to listen to his words. Gave them heads, but they failed to bow in worship. It's sad that so many people are just willfully ignoring. At that time, when Jesus was here on earth, the Jewish leaders, the scribes, the Pharisees, almost all of them, there were a few, but almost all of them rejected him. Now, these were guys who were supposed to be smart. They had been studying the Torah and the Old Testament, well, cumulatively for thousands of years. The, the, the people like them, had, and they had been waiting I mean, that was the most exciting thing. More than the Super Bowl, whether the Saints going to be there or not. More than a Christmas or Easter for some people. There was this, this excitement. The Messiah is coming. And then when he walks in front of them, opens the eyes of the blind, opens the ears of the deaf, and raises the dead from the, the grave, they refused to listen to him. Because they liked the darkness. How many of you and wake up in the morning and you, you kind of like your darkness and you walk downstairs and then somebody flips the light right quite quick in front of you and you just kind of jolt you and not happy about that? Well, we get used to the dark. 
Well, when the light of Jesus comes in, sometimes it's a little jolty. That's why it takes us being loving, faithful, and caring, and just gradually shining the light so they can see and bring people back. Rather than shining a big spotlight and like a deer in the headlights standing and freezes, but share and build a relationship. But the people refused him, even his own family. Now, I'm not going to say Mary, his mother, was a non-believer. I'm not going to say that. But her and the children, other children, one day came into a town where Jesus was teaching. And from the indication of, from the Greek text of the writing, it was like, well, whether it was her or whether it was the sons and daughters, uh, brothers and sisters, it may be that she was just there sort of referee between Jesus and them. But the family says, called out to Jesus and basically saying, he's lost his mind. And we, we've come to take him home and take him to the loony bin. That's basically what the, the, the idea that was there. Of course, Jesus says, listen, all who believe are my brothers and sisters. And so he set the pace there, but even his family. But thankfully, the family, brothers and sisters did come to know Christ. Because his brother, or half-brother, James became one of the early leaders of the church. And so did his other family members that were there. So they did eventually peck on. But his, he was refused. And uh, they lived in that darkness. But you see, Jesus came to bring light, not only to his own family, his own nation, but to the whole world. When Jesus came into the world, his coming dissipated the shadows of doubt. Dissipated the shadows of despair and dissipated the shadows of death. All of us, these are issues of, of, of the darkness, doubt, despair, death. Those things should not hold in your life. As we talked about last week and again this week, the light overcomes, gives victory. No sin, no addiction, no worries, no fears, no whatever should be able to control you if you're walking in the light. Oh, yes, you may be tempted to, to, to stumble into the darkness here or there. But the darkness, you have the power to, for miraculous healing and victory in your life if you will just trust and believe and walk in the light. And some ways to help us to do that is, is for us to, to look outwards and see all the things that God has done. To look up in the heavens and see the stars and the miracles the blessings that he has done. Look backwards into history and see all that he has done. And even look inside, inwards. Because, you know, every single person, I mean even the most sinful, degenerate, atheist, whatever, still has the mark of God in their life. It's the image of God that we're all created in. It's sort of like a little birthmark. Like on the bottom of some pottery, you look it up and it has a little pottery, it says, you know, made by this or that, or a lamp says Tiffany or whatever. It may not necessarily mean that Tiffany owns that lamp. They just made it. Well, all of us have this mark in us. And that's why every culture has an innate sense of right and wrong. Now, it may vary what they think is right and what they think is wrong, but there's this essence of realizing there is a difference, a right and a wrong. And if that mark, if people truly see, then can become a spark 
that the light of Jesus can come forth and bring forth. But we must trust. We must believe. We must understand that this is what we got going here. And then the last passage here. Last two verses. But to all who did receive him, Christ, Christ gave them the right to be children of God, to those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or the will of the flesh or the will of man, but of God. So John is coming back to his main purpose. We need to realize this. He wants us to receive him. But this last sentence here, part of it, this clause here, when you add it on at the end, it automatically pre precedes that. So it's saying is that, well, you need to receive him, but you can't receive him unless you believe in his name. So that's why it's so important that we, you and I, know the facts of who Jesus is, read it, study it, and understand that, receive it, and build into our life so that we can then be children of God, part of his family, heirs to all the glory and the blessings. But we must believe, we must receive. It's not from these bottom, bottom three kind of gives you things what we are common mistakes of things, not of natural descent. You're not going to get into heaven because you were born in America or born into a Christian family or born in any certain race. It, it that's, has nothing to do with it. God could care less whether you live in America or in Asia. Whether you're black or white, whether you're poor or rich, whether you're male or female, has nothing to do at all. That's human parameters that we've set up and decide, well, this is who's important. But it's not of natural sin. It's not of the will of the flesh. And that means it's not about how sincere you are in your decision. So a lot of people are sincere. There's a lot of sincere, you know, there are a lot of sincere Muslims in the world. Wouldn't you agree? A lot of sincere Hindus. And there's a lot of sincere atheists. They're sincerely solid on what they disbelieve about God. But you're, you cannot, you know what the scripture says, not by works, but by faith through grace. You can't work your way to heaven. So you can't be born into it. You can't work your way into it. And it's not the will of man. It's not by your effort to work. When you were born, you didn't really have a choice. You're mother and father made a decision and you were born. You didn't have a choice. Same way with, with spiritual growth. We don't have a choice. Our father calls us. We come to him and then he receives us and we are born again. We're reborn. But this effort here is made vital and important. Let me read a little sentence here from a uh, paragraph by uh, William Barclay who is a very famous uh, writer, he said this, it comes back to belief. We must trust in Jesus. To trust in the name of Jesus, therefore, means to put an end to our own thoughts. Jesus is the embodiment of all kindness and love and gentleness and service. It is John's great central doctrine that in Jesus we see the very mind of God. The attitude of God to men. If we believe that, then we also believe that God is like Jesus. As kind, as loving as Jesus was. To believe in the name of Jesus is to believe that God is like him. And it is only when we believe that, that we can submit ourselves to God and become his children. Beautiful thought. 
Let me close with this here. If you truly believe and receive, there's some benefits to this. You know, we all were looking, well, what's in it for me? Well, we don't need to fear the future because we're going to the Father's house. We can stop worrying about whether our needs on this earth will be met because our Father gives good gifts to his children. You don't need to be anxious about your 401ks or bank accounts because we recognize that our inheritance is not in earthly banks but in the heavenly realm. And our hope, our expectation is not in this world. Someday, as children of the king, we will shine like the sun in the Father's kingdom. See, all this knowledge and information has a practical application so that you don't worry about the future, don't worry about whether you're going to have enough or meet the needs because God is our heavenly Father. We're his children. He is going to care for us. But we must choose to walk in the light. You step out of the light, which a lot of Christians do, you don't don't lose your salvation, but you just step out of the light, then you're going to find yourself stumbling and struggling. Stay in the light. Follow what God has said and be a good reflection of the teachings and the life of Jesus Christ. The world desperately needs it, and you will benefit from it, but you have to make that choice. And the bottom line is, will you receive or will you reject? That's the only two options. Would you bow your heads as we close our eyes, as we prepare for our invitation time? My prayer is that God will open our eyes or open our eyes to see and to understand who he is, to open our ears to hear, open our minds so that we can know Christ in all his glory. This is Pastor Moke again. Thanks for taking the time to listen to this sermon. Maybe something you've heard in the message or read in the notes has challenged your thinking about your faith. If so, our staff is here to help in whatever way we can. Or if you prefer, check out the Faith Life tab located on our homepage at www.fbcbroussard.com. There you can find answers about salvation, spiritual growth, and getting plugged into a local church. And don't forget to check out the other sermons in this series as well. May God bless you.